Hallo, du hörst gerade den Parkrush Podcast. Dies ist ein Freizeit Park Podcast. Ich bin Traum, so mir gesellt sich wie immer Josh. What the hell? Ah, nein. Äh, hallo da. Hallo, wie geht's? Äh, sehr gut. Und du? Wunderbar, ah. aber mein, mein Kehler ist sehr schrecklich. Are you translating on the fly now? Ja. Brilliant. Ja. What a bit. Anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on from this. Hi everyone, you are listening, just in case it wasn't clear to the park rush podcast this is a thing park podcast i don't have a great throat this morning but i'm still here i'm committed to you all uh, because we're back from deutschland and normal podcasting is resuming which i'm sure everyone is relieved and delighted about in equal measure Oh, of uh, Josh, how have you how have you fared with the return to old Blighty? Do, are you missing Euro Rush already? Uh, I I am missing it. I am missing it. That's for sure. Um, but I'm glad to have done it. I'm reminiscing in the days of having been there. Uh, so I'm I'm fully holding on to those good memories, like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of Shutter Island or something. Reminiscing on something that. Only ended about four days ago. Yeah, you got to hold on to the good memories. Yeah, exactly. You come back into kind of the real world of everyday concerns, and you wonder yeah. why you why aren't we just on trips all of the time? Life seems so much better that right? way. Why can't I be an Instagram influencer so I can just travel the world? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean. For those who don't know, we've been on sort of a 10, 11-day European theme park road trip. Uh, for all you heathens out there, I will reassure you that there was some actual culture as well. It's not just theme parks, just mostly theme parks. It's mainly theme parks. To, to be fair, I've had quite a, quite a nice insight into the life of an influencer over the past couple of months because having not really been on a holiday in in over a year and certainly not been abroad for I don't know how long it must have been. Yeah, over two years. Uh, to go to Florida finally in April, May, and then a month later head out to Europe, it almost feels like I got work in between, almost felt like a break from gallivanting around in nice, hot, sunny theme parks. Yeah. So if I can keep up this cadence of going on a trip every sort of six weeks... That that'll work out great for me. Unfortunately, there's these things called uh, financial concerns, and, and and those you know are, are a little bit of an obstacle to this way of life. Unless, as Bloody you say, responsibilities. I know, right? That's absolutely outrageous. Uh, as someone once said, "With great responsibility comes no fun whatsoever." <laughs> uh, life is best when you just forget you have any of them. And uh, if only that were really the case. But anyway, uh, we 
put out a few episodes while we were away. We had, of course, been working through those trip reports from my aforementioned Florida trip. Those will resume next week. We've got so many trip reports to get through. I mean, they're probably going to see us through most of the rest of the year at this point. (laughs) Thank God. People are relieved that we're not talking about faraway news for once. Well, exactly. We had sort of a whole pandemic of having to talk about news about theme parks that we couldn't visit. It's quite nice now, actually, to be able to sort of speak with... I was going to say some authority. Uh, (laughs) I really do mean some in the loosest sense of the word. Yeah. But, you know, more authority than we would normally speak about anything with, which which has been quite nice. Uh, but we're going to take a break, obviously, from from the Florida reports. We're going to sort of basically treat this as a bit of a check-in, give some overall thoughts on the trip. And then as we haven't done any real theme park news for weeks now, since we started working through the Florida parks, uh, we're going to check in with some of the kind of uh, the, the news while we were away. Uh, I've pulled a few stories. They are all Florida-related, bar one. But there's some good stuff there. Uh, We also have some correspondence and a little bit of admin to get through before we get to that. I did also just want to mention, uh, I think like a lot of people, I was pretty uh, horrified by the news that came out of the US on Friday, the Supreme Court ruling on the rights to abortion and essentially taking those away for tens of millions of women in the US and uh, obviously this is pretty small fry uh, kind of a small fry side issue compared to the the main issue but within sort of the little thing park bubble I thought it was worth mentioning the fact that in Florida at least which is highly likely to be one of the states that outlaws abortion as a result of this uh, Disney which is the biggest employer in Florida, biggest single employer, uh, has said that they will pay for uh, employees who who need to go out of state uh, to to have an abortion in future. They they will pay for that. Um, So, you know, within the small little thing park bubble that we operate, uh, that story has been felt in that way, I suppose. But obviously, the broader point is, yeah, basically solidarity with everyone who stands to be affected by by that it's uh it's it's pretty horrendous and uh yeah obviously there's not much we could say beyond that <clears throat> but, for sure uh, hope everyone's doing okay it's a rough time to 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 be alive to be honest it's uh as, you know, if you pay a lot of attention to the news agenda, there's little reason to have any hope whatsoever about anything at all. Uh, so we'll try and keep it light. <laughs> we'll try and keep it light. And make <laughs> Luckily, there's theme parks, pivot, I guess. Make an impossible pivot to theme park news. <clears throat> uh, but as I say, before we get to that and before we get to uh, talking a little bit about our trip... Uh, there's a little bit of theme park podcast admin to be done and also some correspondence. Uh, Josh, over to you. Uh, yeah, so uh, kind of been contemplating this for a little bit. Uh, we've we've joked about it for a very long time. Um, but basically last week, 
or two weeks ago, just before we went away, uh, it was my birthday. Uh, and I went, sod it, let's do it. Uh, and I created a, a Patreon. Parkrush now has a Patreon. Uh, there are three tiers uh, in it. You can go find it at uh, patreon.parkrush.com. Uh, you don't have to sign up. We're not forcing you, obviously. It is well within your right to not do that. Uh, I don't know why I said that so seriously. Uh, certainly in this time of quite, you know, financial crunch, we fully understand that you, if you maybe would like to, but you don't have the financial means to right now, then don't. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, don't do that. All content will still be freely available to you, uh, whether you, uh, you know, get us through the podcast or through YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, uh, wherever the bloody hell we are uh, and maybe in the future. Uh, the content will remain free at some point f- uh, going forward. Uh, there are some perks to the tiers. Um, for example, uh, I will be bringing out some vlogs from our European road trip. Uh, they will be heading to the Patreon first and then being released uh, a couple of weeks later on YouTube for public uh, consumption. Um, our live stream video games that I will try and do every Tuesday unless I am busy. Uh, they will be Patreon exclusives, but the footage will go out um, episodically uh, for public consumption on our YouTube channel as well. So... There will be nothing there that is not available later down the line for free. Um, but all it means is that we can kind of recoup some of our costs for doing this podcast, which is, uh, you know, we have a website address, you know, parkrush.com. We have an email address attached to that so we can receive emails from you guys. Um, we use software that costs money. Um, and, you know, if for some reason a lot of people want to pay us money i think you're still crazy to be honest uh even though we do appreciate it um it means that we can go on more theme park trips uh if we ever get that far down the line but i I very much doubt it um but yeah it's just kind of a way of helping us create this podcast and the peripheral uh videos and clips and photos and all that stuff that kind of goes with it so if you'd like to support us, uh, yeah, we have the Patreon, patreon.parkrush.com. There's three tiers. You can sign up to whatever tier you want or don't sign up at all. Uh, we just appreciate you listening and viewing all of our stuff. Mm. I would just like to put it out there that my insistence that there be a fourth tier at which we turn up to birthday parties was flatly refused by Josh. If you would like us to turn up to birthday parties for a little bit of extra moolah, then do email in. I'll be happy to reinstate that as an idea. <clears throat> but for now... Yeah, only if there's, there's corona. Like going on. There's no yeah, corona exactly. at the well, only... party, we're not coming. No, exactly. We, if, if you've got some corona to spread around, get some days off work. I mean, that will also benefit the podcast. We'll have more time to do podcast things, you know. But, uh, yeah... Uh, as you say, Josh, long joked about and uh, took the plunge. So anyone who signs up, you're mad, but also thank you. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. Speaking of the email address, uh, we have an email. 
So I'm going to play the correspondence music and then we're going to find out what somebody has had to say. Josh, what has somebody emailed us with? Well, uh, it's from Mr. Ben, our very first Patreon subscriber. Thank you, uh, Ben. Uh, hey, guys. Really enjoyed all your tweets from the Euro trip and can't wait to hear all of your trip reports. Uh, some truly beautiful looking rides there. And that hotel, oh boy. Uh, my question for you, though, is what was the max speed Josh go up to on the autobahn? Keep up the great podcast, Mr. Ben. <laughs> it wasn't so much the speed, it was the multiple inversions that threw me off guard slightly. The Haribo went absolutely everywhere. Yeah, them uh, them autobahns, they really uh, really throw you through a loop. It's, it's quite impressive. Mm. Uh, yeah, so thanks for, thanks for the email, Ben. Uh, we didn't get up to uh, ridiculous speeds, I would say, uh, personally. Uh, you know, we do have a uh, fuel crisis as such on our hands with the cost of fuel. So I was trying to keep speeds down a fair bit to be the uh, most frugal as I could with the fuel. But uh, there was a point I got up to, uh was doing it 100 miles an hour. So, uh, yeah, that, that was our, our, our limit. Yeah, that was certainly not the limit of other motorists, though. No, the... The Germans do not care about those expensive fuel prices right now. Cool boy. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They're absolute whizzing past. Yeah. At, uh, yeah. Uh, very, very high speeds indeed. Uh, I'm glad, Mr. Ben, that you enjoyed the Twitter threads for anyone that missed them. I, I yeah, every every day that we were at a park, uh, I was I was doing a Twitter thread kind of documenting the day. There's also been a lot of stuff that's gone out on YouTube so far and Instagram and TikTok. The best place to find it all is links.parkrush.com. And of course, yes, we'll have dedicated trip report episodes to come in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it was a really great trip. Let, let's play the correspondence music once again to uh, steer ourselves out. And then we'll talk a little generally about the parks we saw, the parks we did, and, and how much fun we had. Welcome back to the Park Rush podcast. So Euro Rush, Josh, a long-discussed trip that finally occurred, and, and we did five theme parks over the course of 10 or 11 days. Yeah. Uh, just to list them off real quick, we did Europa Park, Trips Drill, Fantasialand, Movie Park, and Efteling. Uh, those first four all in Germany, Efteling in the Netherlands, and had an absolutely fantastic time at, at pretty much all of them. As I say, we're going to do dedicated trip reports on each of them. We've also done... We kind of did instant reacts, if you like. We we tried out some of them live Twitter spaces. Those should still be archived somewhere if you want to get our kind of immediate thoughts on each of those parks. Uh, as we drove home from each one, we, we, we put out a little sort of 15, 20-minute broadcast on each. But 
I guess, you know, we could quickly do a whistle-stop tour of the five. Europa Park, should we start there? I mean, this was the one that I think I was probably most excited for overall. And I think it was the best overall theme park. And uh, one thing that stuck with me about uh, our time there was uh, a very profound assessment that you made, Josh, of Europa Park, which is that it was kind of the theme park that walked would have wanted what what did you mean by that and it's not just the fact that they have a mouse as a mascot no but uh certainly does uh, lend itself uh yeah i guess it's got it's got fun for all the family it's uh you know it's highly themed it's got uh, a plethora of transportation rides you know train and two monorails boats it's got it's got the lot um uh, it's got you know hotels and yeah, just this kind of really good family vibe. Uh, lots of greenery, lots of walking space. Uh, it's, yeah, got got basically everything that you could really ask for in a theme park. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, for those who don't know, in terms of how it's sort of laid out and structured, it. It's basically loads of lands themed to different countries. So you could think of it a little bit along the lines of the World Showcase at Epcot. And funnily enough, it does have a sort of bootleg spaceship Earth. Yeah. I think the thing about Europa Park is that it does kind of wear its influences on its sleeve in some aspects, as as well as the, the spaceship Earth alike, which uh, rather than have a sort of educational... Uh, tour through history inside actually has a high speed roller coaster theme to the can can <laughs> so yeah. they do take a slightly different approach there but they have you know a plethora of dark rides one very clearly inspired by the haunted mansion another very clearly inspired by pirates of the caribbean <laughs> but look if you're going to take shots at two of the most iconic theme park rides ever constructed then you best not miss and and they don't to be fair they they really go all out on those two and they're long rides, rich with detail, really a lot of depth to every scene, strong animatronics, good atmosphere. They they don't mess around with those and, yeah, for sure. and they really do deliver. But as you say, there, there's, there are rides for everyone there. You know, you've got those kinds of dark rides, you've got a lot of transportation rides and you've got some really good roller coasters as well ranging from the can can coaster which is a kind of space mountain alike i suppose you could say but then also yep. a fantastic epic wooden coaster called wodan which was definitely the best wooden coaster we did on the whole trip we've sure. got a, a great steel launch coaster called blue fire a couple Very of strong. water coasters a spinning coaster uh, the variety is is kind of incredible, and yeah, you, there's not a ride missing. I don't think. Uh, no, maybe, not really. No, uh, no trackless rides. No trackless rides, and they don't really go for screens. And, and that was the case. At, Thank God, at almost every part, really. I mean, you know, uh, they do. They do have s- the soaring equivalent, though, right? So that's at Fantasia Land. No, the soaring equivalent was at Europa Park. Was it? Yeah. Oh, right, the front. Was yeah. it Europa Park? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. 
It was a bit steampunky, wasn't it? But that was not Fantasia Land. That was yeah, you're right. That was your uh, Dodgeland. Yeah, yeah, but that was about it, really. And uh, look, we've we've hit out, or not hit out, but it's easy to be cynical about over reliance on screens, on thing pot rides because they are the types of things that can maybe not age fantastically well. but, you know, I think there's a place for them, just not at Europa Park. <laughs> they have no interest in screen-based rides, which is fair enough. I mean, I think that, you know, when you're not leveraging any IP, especially IP that is, uh, you know, has its roots in film or television, uh, the kind of appeal of, of screen-based rides is, is lessened, I think. So they're all about either immersing you in... in in adventures, in stories like the Pirates and Haunted Mansion uh, riffs that they do, or they're kind of about high-speed thrills, really, with the with the coasters and whatnot. Yeah. There is a real sort of roller coaster tycoon vibe to the place when you go up the viewing tower in the middle of the park, which gives you a fantastic view of the place, and it makes you realise that they have wasted no space whatsoever. And what that means is that no matter where you are in the park really chances are you can see a ride from where you're standing and the the amount of rides which kind of interact with one another it's kind of amazing i think the the bit that summed it up for me best on that front was there's this kind of walk through mine if you like where within it there is a mine train roller coaster which hurtles through there yeah, is also coaster. a log flume which is going around uh, in there as well. Uh, and it's perfectly enjoyable even if you're just walking through it. There are you know animatronics in there, uh, dwarves doing some mining and a big dragon. Uh, so you can get some good views just by walking through it. But, uh, you know, it's very possible to take some pretty awesome pictures and video in there as log flumes and mine trains hurtle past you at the same time and there's a similar energy around uh, a lot of the park there are plenty of locations where multiple rides could be zipping past you overhead or uh, to your left or right the the sense of energy is just really exciting uh, wherever you go really I mean think about how it feels to stand around uh, any part of the Velocicoaster track, for example, at Islands of Adventure, we've spoken a lot about the sense of kinetic energy that that's brought to that part of that theme park. And it's great. And Europa Park kind of has that going for it throughout. Uh, I guess the yeah. one knock against it on that front is that there aren't, there are places that you can settle down there are literally sunbeds and sun lounges uh, in some of the green spaces dotted around the park so don't think that you know there aren't spaces to stop for a breather but even in those places there is there are probably rides in the vicinity so there's a lot going on it's pretty intense and sure. you'll absolutely need multiple days if you want to do everything as as we did we we needed the two full days yeah, and that, and that's not all right. So if you're uh, this way inclined, there's even a water park at Europa Park called uh, Rulantica. So there's even more there than just this theme park. Yeah, we do the water hotels. Park, 
Yeah. And loads so. of restaurants and places to eat and drink. Uh, it, it's it's absolutely packed to the rafters. It really is. And sure is. It's, it's the park of Walt's dreams, as you say. Maybe it's also the park of anyone who's ever played Roller Coaster Tycoon's dreams because <laughs> it's got... <laughs> As we said, almost every type of ride and roller coaster that you could possibly imagine is at this park. And I would thoroughly recommend it. I think that this, along with Fantasialand for me, are the two parks where I would say, if you're a theme park fan, no matter where you are, these parks are, I think, worth dedicating a trip to. I think some of the other ones are like, if you happen to be in the area, they're worth checking out. I think Europa Park yeah. for sure and Fantasia Land are kind of worth basing a trip round. And they're so good and expansive and impressive that I think even, you know, people who might not have gone out to to, to Germany, let's say, for a theme park trip, but they're not too far out the way uh, for the trip that you do happen to be on. Though they're also theme parks I would recommend to those people. Uh, yeah. They're, they're worth checking out. They're very impressive. If you're in any way inclined uh, to, to visit a theme park, those two uh, are great. So, uh, yeah, Fantasialand. Let's, let's quickly touch on that one. I, I think this is the most evocative of a, of a kind of universal islands, or more, of, more, more islands of adventure, I would say, uh, you know, just in terms of how the lands are themed. Like, while some of them are theme to countries like Europa Park uh, not all of them are they're also a bit more tightly packed in the way that the islands ones are like you can walk through them fairly quickly and I think the the, the lineup of rides skews a little more towards sort of an older demographic yeah. uh, in the same way that Islands of Adventure does as well you know there are some flat rides there some kid friendly rides uh, but they're quite rudimentary, and what you're really going to be there for are the the more intense uh, attractions. Uh, Fantasia Land, I think, was was probably uh, came close to rivaling Europa Park for me. Uh, and I think Josh had was, it, was your favourite ride of the whole trip was at I think Fantasia so. Land. Yeah, I think I think I think it could be. Yeah, thinking about it. Uh, of, of the roller coasters for sure. Are you going to tell us what it was? <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to tease it out. I'm going to tease it out. You have to listen to the the trip report to hear what it was. Oh wow, shameless! <clears throat> oh no, you have to you have to subscribe to the third tier of the Patreon <laughs> if you ever want to know what what this ride was that Josh enjoyed. Uh. Yeah, it had some great roller coasters. I think the best roller coasters of the trip were, were at Fantasia Land overall. It has uh, it has one called Taran, which uh, I, I believe I'm right in saying when Hagrid first opened or when Hagrid was being worked on at Islands of Adventure, uh, the Taran comparison was made. It is a multi-launch coaster like Hagrid is, and and to be fair, I think that. It suffered a little bit in, for me because I'd done Hagrid before I had done Taron. I think if I'd done Taron first, it would have been, uh, you know, far more noteworthy for me personally. But it's still a great ride. The launches 
are intense as hell and it's got yeah. a similar quality to Hagrid. And to be fair, that's certainly the opening stage of Velocicoaster whereby you feel quite close to the ground, uh, zipping around, uh, you know, rock faces and, and lots of near misses as well. It's got a, a similar aesthetic uh, to the opening stages of those two coasters at Islands. Uh, and as I say, the launches are pretty intense. Uh, and then the other coaster that I think, you know, really stands out at Fantasia Land uh, is called Fly. Uh, this is a, a flying coaster, as the name implies, uh, but also has a launch, uh, two launches, I think. So yeah, I was... I, I was struggling in my in my head to decide at the time whether I preferred Fly or Manta at SeaWorld Orlando, which had been my favourite flying coast. I haven't done many of them, to be clear, but uh, Manta has always been one of my absolute favourites. And it's I think strong. it's that, f that first loop which Manta does is just so, so, so extraordinary. But fly, the, those launches, uh, when you're in that flying position, really do make you feel like Superman. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're pretty awesome. But what really makes fly special is the theming and, uh, and the way it is very much the centerpiece of uh, a part of the park called Rook, Rook, Rooksburg, which is, or Rookburg, which is... Uh, steampunk up the wazoo oh hell and, yeah uh, is is very very cool uh i i think josh that was probably the best in terms of theming uh, area of any theme park that we visited yeah i think so um i think fantasia land has uh the best theming of themed lands full stop between this one and mexico and the kind of mystery area, the like fantasy area, the mystery area, medieval area, I think they called it actually. Um, I think there's some really strong themed areas, but yeah, Rookburg was definitely uh, number one. Uh, and just the interaction of the ride with the land and the hotel there. Uh, and it's the, I think it's the longest flying coast in the world as well. But Right. So the, there's always something going on in that land because of, the uh how the ride interacts with it which is really cool yeah it's quite amazing if it if it really is the longest flying coaster in the world because it's packed into what feels like a pretty small space uh you know that land is pretty compact but they fit a lot in and i guess what was cool for us was that we got to approach it from two angles so the one hotel that we stayed in on the trip was the Charles Lindbergh, which is baked into the Rooksburg area of Fantasia land. And if, if you come in through the hotel off the street, uh, the, the immersion is, is off the scale really. Uh, yeah. you're, 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 you're basically treated as kind of a, a pilot who's come to stay kind of stopping off on your own journey everyone's very in character the the theming of the hotel is absolutely amazing everyone is staying in these kind of little cabins which again are brilliantly themed they are very small i mean we'll get into this properly on the trip report we put out some video as well of kind of showing the whole process from walking in through the front door to getting to your room which is on uh, on the twitter and on the tiktok i believe so check those out uh, me just talking about it won't really do it justice here uh, no. 
it's but it's incredibly well done and as you say it's totally uh, intertwined with the with the with the roller coaster so you know you can you can walk out the door of your cabin and and the roller coaster whizzes right by your face uh, likewise you can stick your head out the bathroom window and it might whiz right past there as well it's kind of amazing and uh, you can of course get down into Rooksburg itself from the hotel uh, you can also of course come in off uh, kind of the main street of the theme park itself uh, if you do it that way uh, which of course the majority of people will it's got a very very Diagon Alley kind of vibe uh, yeah you kind of walk through an underpass and, and then it just opens out in front of you and it's phenomenally well done. It really is. And uh, definitely the highlights as far as the themed lands went on this, on this trip, uh, just sure. the one ride in there, but it's a damn good one. And yeah, if you really value, uh, you know, highly themed lands, I think this is probably the best example I've seen outside of a of a licensed thing park, you know, outside of your your Disney and your Universal parks. Yeah, I, I would say that for sure. Uh, so Fantasyland, yeah, fantastic as well, of course. And then I think you know it was a bit of a toss up for us on what our third favourite was. There was Efteling, which I think we went into probably expecting to be right up there. It's got a tremendous reputation. But Trips Drill, which we thought might be a bit of a dark horse, turned out to be just that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about Efteling first, Josh, because I think we agreed that whilst Europa Park was the park that you said Walt would have wanted, Efteling in many ways was actually the most evocative of, of a Disneyland-style park. Of, of all the ones that we did on this trip. Yeah, I think so. Um, Efteling uh, has been around for quite some time now. What was it 75, 70 years? 70, yeah, 70 years. 70 years, yeah. Yeah, uh, we got the pin badge and the and I got the T-shirt to prove it. Uh, and yeah, it's very um, kind of born out of quite humble beginnings. Uh, we've just kind of, small area and then it's kind of grown from there very organically um, and it's got some very like impressive queue lines uh, some of the best queue lines I think from our trip uh, and it's got you know fantastical creatures and uh, kind of very similar uh, ride styles and that sort of thing uh, those trackless rides that kind of evoke similar things to a a ratatouille or that sort of thing. There's a it's a small world kind of ride. Um, there's all sorts going on here, and it's so kind of Disney in its way that actually when Disney were building Disneyland Paris, they brought Efteling in as consultants on how to uh, European Europeanify, I guess, uh, the Disney park to be, to make Disneyland Paris settle in more with its European. Uh, surroundings and neighbours so that's that's you know the pedigree that Efteling has yeah it's worth noting it's so Disney but not so modern Disney and yeah I think something that's worth reflecting here whilst we talk about the parks overall is that none of them had that 
quality, if you want to call it that, that exists at the <laughs> Disney parks these days, certainly the Disney World parks, which is absolute chaos and a feeling that you need to enter every one with this almost military-style plan if you want to get things done. None of these parks had that. They were all busy in their own way. They all have loads of rides. Some of the queues, you know, I think we queued for upwards of an hour for, for some rides, which isn't an insignificant yeah. amount of time. But you never felt like you were really getting fobbed off. You never felt like you were going to have to leave things on the cutting room floor. Some of these parks, as I said, Europa Park especially, really do need two days, I would say. But not because of the same reasons that certain Disney parks feel like they need two days. It's purely because there are so many rides that yeah. it's just kind of impossible to get them all done in one day. It's not a case of, well, we need two days here because we need to queue two hours for that and three hours for that. And that one needs a fast pass and we can't do too many of those in one day. So we've got to do that. Tomorrow. You know, None of that is going on. And... It was just very, very refreshing to not have to deal with any of that. And look, there's a reason the Disney parks are popular generally. They are they are really great theme parks, but they're also very expensive. And I think that people can be rightfully frustrated with, given how much money they spend to get in, the experience that, that that you get at those parks right now because of how busy they are can feel less than optimum and at these parks i think you you don't you don't have that really i i, I it was kind of actually a pleasure to just walk around all of these parks and and just kind of get through the day in a way that you you should expect frankly as a as a sort of paying customer you turn up you feel like you can get round them and experience all they have to offer, even when they are busy. And uh, yeah, that's unfortunately something that you aren't guaranteed at the Disney park these days. You you can turn up, you know, it's got to the point where it's hard to recommend a one day ticket to a Disney park because it, you just can't have confidence that you'll get your money's worth. Whereas I don't think I'd have any hesitation recommending if you had to do a one-day ticket to some of these these European parks, I don't think that would be a problem, really. I think you could absolutely get value for money doing that. Yeah, you know, the, the park tickets are far cheaper than you'd see at a Disney park, um, and I think you'd get more... You know, you wouldn't be able to see potentially everything in that day, but I think for the value that you're paying, the experience is so good that not seeing everything would be fine. Yeah. And as I say, I think the key point is, in in the case of Europa Park and Efteling, for example, it's not that you won't see everything because it's so rammed that it's just completely impossible because of queue lines. It's more to do with the fact that there's just so much to do. And yeah. a good point of example for Efteling is that there is an entire attraction um uh, they they list it as an attraction and I think it's fair to do so. It's just a huge part of the park which is dedicated to basically walking through scenes from famous fairy tales, all presented yeah. in, you know, variable varying ways, whether it's uh you know, some animatronics or, 
you know, Hansel and Gretel's house or a little building with some Pepper's ghost effects and and screens showing you a scene from Cinderella. You know, lots going on, really varied. And that alone can take north of an hour to get round. And especially if you really want to stop and soak it up, it could easily take 90 minutes or more to get round that whole thing. So, you know, that that's kind of the level that we're talking about. Uh, here as I say I think the longest we actually queued for any ride at any park was about an hour and uh, yeah I, you know I didn't really have any complaints about that because I think it was for Taron at Fantasialand which is a really good roller coaster so quite happy to queue an hour for that uh, yeah, it was the happy. exception rather than the norm as well so uh, you know overall a really good guest experience I would say across all these parks and Efteling certainly uh, but yeah, uh, trips drill, a bit of a dark horse, Josh. Uh, this is one that, you know, people might not be super familiar with. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. And, uh, it, I kind of, it kind of had the vibe. I said this on the trip to you, uh, but it kind of had the vibe of a rich landowner who wanted to give something back. <laughs> to the community <laughs> and just built a theme park on, in, on his on his farmland on his turf yeah that's definitely how it feels and uh you know you get to the top of some of the coasters there for example and it, it really is just rolling rolling fields rolling hills and farmland off in the distance you know wrong country but you half expect to see julie andrews running through a field singing and and dancing it's it's got that kind of vibe uh, but it, it's great, uh, you know, for what it is, it punches well above its weight. It's got some great rides, uh, some surprisingly intense ones as well, um, but also plenty for the whole family. And again, I think value for money wise was was inarguable, to be honest. Uh, I would I, I don't know if it's a park I'd recommend people like go out of their way for. But if again, if you're in the area at any point. Uh, or you want to, you know, you want to do what we did, for example, and oh, we're going to go out to Europe for a theme park trip specifically. What should we put on the list? Uh, don't don't skip trips drill. It's absolutely worth considering. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think so. You know, if you're your in the area. Uh, you know, it's like thirty minutes away from Stuttgart. You know, be rude not to really. Yeah, what was your favourite ride at Tripstrill? Um, I think Head Over Hills was my favourite there. Yeah, which is uh, which I, I'd never done a roller coaster like that before. I don't know if you're able to sort of describe it, sum it up for people. Uh, well, it's a it's a uh, inverted roller coaster, right? It's not. I don't think it's anything particularly. But it's more like you're sort of hang, you're sort of hanging in an individual. It's not like um, you. It almost feels like you're sitting in a swing more right, than yeah. it's a strapped bit in it, rather than rigid. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. It almost feels like you're sitting on a. It's not incomparable to uh, like pterodon flyers. Like it, it kind of feels like you're sitting in ter- sitting on pterodon flyers. At, uh, in Jurassic Park, 
but it just so happens to be a high speed roller coaster that sends you upside down. It it doesn't it when you get on it it's not like you're getting on a, a, a like Montu or or something of that ilk. It doesn't feel that way anyway. Uh, it doesn't you know and Tripstrel has a very sort of family vibe as I say a family atmosphere, and I think that some of the coasters uh, are kind of deceptively intense actually. Like it's only when you're once you're actually riding them that you're like, oh wow, they're not messing around. <laughs> Head over heels is one of those. The other one is Caracho, which uh, is is similar to uh, like Saw at Thorpe Park or um, the Smiler, perhaps more so at Alton Towers. Uh, not quite as intense as Smiler, uh, which is you know world record for inversions, and so. It speaks for itself but i mean it's it's kind of up there and it's one of those roller coasters where it looks kind of intense enough you know i think everyone probably does this right when they're sort of approaching a coaster for the first time just stop and have a little look kind of try and get a sense of what you're getting yourself in for and there's no doubt that watching it you thought oh okay this is probably the most intense coaster here uh let's give this a go then i'll, I'll kind of psych myself up while we're queuing for this but the kind of most kind of the lariest sections of that ride that really throw you for a loop uh, are the bits that you cannot see. Uh, they are oh, yeah. in in the dark right at the start. You come out of the station and it really does not mess around. There's a launch in the dark. There's a, an inversion in the dark. There's a. It's uh. It was it was the one ride that made me made me swear out loud uh, whilst riding it. Uh, and then also just make me giggle like a complete fool also while riding it. So it's, it's what, it's one of those, it's one of those, it's, um, it does not mess around as I say. Yeah. It's like if they took, saw the ride at Thorpe Park and made it good. Right. Yeah. Uh, ouch. Poor Thorpe Park. Wow. I mean, that was definitely a kind of takeaway from, for us from all these parks, which was, Man, the UK theme park scene is a little, a, a little sad, you know. Like Alton Towers is yeah. is 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 pretty good. I, I had fun there when we went last year. There's some good rides, and you know it's nicely spaced out. It's it's decent, but I think I would put all but one of the parks we visited on this trip above. Orton Towers comfortably and yeah. uh and Orton Towers is by far and away the best park in the UK. I think it's comfortably better than Thorpe Park. And that's kind yeah. of the level we're talking about here really. The standard is high, you know, the standard is is very it, high it, indeed. It also tells to the uh clientele of these parks. Um uh, the fact that there's less British people in the Euro in these European parks. It's clearly proven uh, if these parks were in the UK, they would be ruined within a week. Um, you know, yeah, I did not. People can't even stop talking in the film in a film for two hours, let alone uh, not graffiti and throw rubbish everywhere uh, in a theme park. Yeah, yeah. Uh... UK society, just kind of endless stream of disappointments. Oh, oh. I wish I could speak German, damn it. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the the only part really that got close to making me think of the UK was Movie Park in Germany, <laughs> just because it felt... I thought the kind of... The, the crowd there was, was the closest to a Thought Park kind of a crowd, you know, the kind of much in the same way that I was at Thought Park. I felt like an old man walking around saying, why aren't these kids at school? You know, uh, Movie Park yeah. definitely seemed like the place for rowdy local 14-year-olds uh, in a way that, you know, I've kind of done with, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, but then also it it, it suffered suffered the most for feeling like it didn't really have its own identity rather than oh you know those universal parks they're cool let's try and do that on a much lower budget which with much less inspiring or interesting ip to draw from and uh with with some corners cut it would be fair to say i think the rides that they've got that are considered the highlights so for example there's a Star Trek themed roller coaster. I use the word themed very loosely. It's a good roller coaster. It's got a fun backwards launch. It's uh, quite similar to Icebreaker at SeaWorld, actually. But, in, you know, it, it could be anything, honestly. I mean, the Star Trek theming doesn't really go any further than the queue. And even in there, it, it feels pretty cheap. Yeah. And, uh, the other ride that in terms of its theming is is relatively well regarded there is is Van Helsing's Factory, which is an indoor uh, coaster, mostly in the dark, occasionally with some creatures jumping out at you and Van Helsing on a screen says something in German at the end. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not really holding a candle to the best of that genre of coaster either. Uh, and then they've got some stuff there which, frankly, should be torn down. Uh, two big coasters uh, in a part of the park, really, which feels almost like it's part of a different park. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite odd, really. Movie Park, it was a real roller coaster of emotions for me because you walk down the main Hollywood Boulevard at the entrance and you think, well, this is pretty shameless, but I'm kind of into it. It's very, very evocative, universal. Yeah, it felt pretty then, good. I think that that opening walk uh, from the water fountain uh, logo at the very beginning through to, through the main street it was very impressive. But then it kind of goes off the rails. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty well done for what it was. Uh, very derivative, but but fairly well done. And then the rest of the park is a little bit all over the place. Really, you've got a kind of the kiddie zone, if you like, is all themed to Nickelodeon, which. I would say it's probably better than it has any right to be. Uh, but even within that land, the quality of the sort of theming is is pretty inconsistent. There's a SpongeBob-themed wild mouse coaster, which could be pretty much anything, really, once you've yeah. looked at the entrance uh, with, uh, with the SpongeBob characters there. Uh, once you pass that, it could be anything, really. The SpongeBob theming kind of goes out the window. But then there's a SpongeBob ride that's themed to the driving school from that show. 
uh, where you're all, you know, it's like four people, I think, on board a boat on a trip. Mean, the ride vehicle was made to look like a boat, but you're not actually on water. All it is is, is it's got water cannons on it and it's designed so that people on the ride can squirt people who aren't on the ride and people who aren't on the ride can also use water cannons positioned around the track to try and squirt people who are on the ride. You know, it, it, There's not really much going for it uh, in terms of the type of ride that it is, but uh, they kind of seemingly uh, go to decent lengths to, to actually theme it and... and and take advantage of the SpongeBob IP. So that land's got a slightly odd vibe. Uh, and then you've got a part of the park which is themed to sort of the a kind of old California pier, like a San Francisco pier, which, I don't know, man, it kind of felt a little bit like... I guess it kind of felt a bit like I was walking around an old GTA game. It, it, uh, it Like everything yeah, well, from... The, yeah, the kind it's, of... it's based on the uh, pier from the, uh, I guess, Los Santos region, right? So it would be like the the pier in GTA Five is the pier that it's based on. Yeah, yeah. They're both based on the same pier in. But it say. looked very, it looked very run down. Even the color palette of that particular part of the park, I found to be extraordinarily depressing. And I think that when you see. It's the type of thing that is difficult to put your finger on what's wrong about it, but makes you realise that you take things about the very best theme parks. There, there are things about them that you take for granted. You know, mm. uh, you know, we can we can sit here in our Park Rush Ivory Tower and bemoan certain things about the Disney parks, but on paper at least you know you take away the ridiculous crowds for example and some of the the policies that are in place to you know when it comes to queuing for rides and whatnot um as as far as theme park design goes uh you realize when you go to kind of a knockoff just quite how good the very best ones are and movie park really kind of put that into sharp focus for me uh, and then the Wild West area of the park, which is home to, to two big coasters, as I said, uh, the less said about that, the better. I think we'll save it for the trip report because I could really go off on one about the two coasters they've got there. I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty hardened coaster fan. I, you know, there are, there's not much that that really rustles uh, ruffles my feathers these days, but both of them. Uh, really shook me up. I, I I think they should tear those things down. Uh, there's yeah, a big wooden coaster and an old and an old inverted steel coaster, and uh, both of them are incredibly unpleasant to to ride. Yeah, for sure. Um, I question how they're still standing. To be honest, but here we are. Mm, yeah. So that's movie park. Sort of briefly touched on movie park there. And uh, that's all. That's all the five that we that we did: Europa Park, Fantasia Land, Tripstrill, Efteling, and Movie Park. Overall, uh, a good lineup and an excellent trip. Um, I don't know if you have any sort of overall thoughts or recommendations, uh, Josh, or, or whether it's best to save them for the specific trip reports that we'll do on each park. Um. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think all of the parks other than Movie Park I would recommend. Um, I also just kind of quick shout-outs to some, sort of things, some of the cultural things that we did. 
Uh, we did the trip top walk in Saarland, the Saarschleife Baumwitfeld, uh, which was really, really cool. Uh, there'll be some footage of that in my vlog when that comes out. Uh, I went to the Porsche Museum, which was really interesting. There'll be footage of that uh, in my vlogs. Um, and then the Villa Hugel, which is the former home of the Krupp family that uh, now make lifts. Um, and that was really interesting as well. And that will also be in my vlogs when they come out. Excellent stuff. Yeah, it was a fantastic trip. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Theme parks and, and beyond. Um, hopefully we've done a decent job of uh, reflecting uh, some of the parks on, on the various uh, social channels of ours, uh, which you can find at links.parkcrush.com. But yeah, look forward to the trip reports. They'll be kind of the, the most in-depth we get. And and the vlogs as well, which are to start dropping at some point uh, in July, I believe, is the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for our kind of whistle-stop tour of, of the Euro Rush trip. I, I, I did say that we might talk about some some theme park news that we'd missed. Uh, but to be honest, uh, we've gone on a little longer than planned. Uh, Josh has got some uh, some commitments to get to, so we won't delay, and uh, we'll leave we'll leave these news stories on the cutting room floor. Uh, I might chuck them in the show notes anyway because um, I found some of them quite interesting. Some long standing rumours that have come to fruition: that the return of some classic Star Wars characters to Disney World, for example, uh, and also uh, finally uh, officially confirmed that SeaWorld Orlando is working on a new roller coaster. Uh, as has been long suspected so uh, some some fun developments at, at some of the florida parks but yeah uh good to to talk at length about euro rush and plenty more to come on that front if you have any questions about the trip anything you want to know that as mr ben did you could email podcast at parkrush.com and for all the other ways to get in touch and catch up with the trip links.parkrush.com is the place to go for that uh, as Josh explained at the start of the show, we're now on Patreon. So if you're interested at all in supporting us, uh, then do head over there. And uh, yeah, loads to come over the coming weeks and months uh, from this particular trip, both podcasts and vlogs and more uh, short form videos and bits and pops as well. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with the resumption of the Florida trip reports. Uh, the Universal Parks, I believe, are up next, so look forward to those. Uh, until then, stay safe, take it easy out there. Choose.